brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Continuing with last week's second part in my examination of what modernism is are today's words from St. Pius X. Last week I had a letter from a cardinal who was close to that pope and explained in common language what Pascendi is, the famous encyclical of St. Pius X that condemns modernism, and got a lot of positive feedback from the audience on it. So if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you do so. Today I present to you a short address of St. Pius X from about that same time, warning his listeners to be attentive to the truth and not to get swayed up in the tricks of the modernists, who are intensely disloyal to the deposit of the faith, to the church, and to the papacy itself. These are sharp words from St. Pius X, and they're delivered with kindness and charity. And when you hear this, be careful, because some cite this address of his as proof that trads should not criticize Francis in our time. That's clearly the opposite of the point Pius X is making here, and I'll go over a little bit of that after the words of Pius X that are here in a second. But it's an easy error to make. Now, I'll leave the rest to the Saint Pont- saintly pontiff to describe for you. Enjoy. Con vera sodas fazione, address of Pope St. Pius X, given in 1909 to students at the Catholic universities in Rome. It is with genuine joy that I welcome the sentiments and expressions of devotion and reverence towards this apostolic see which you have declared to me in your name and that of your companions. And these sentiments are all the more dear to me because they are expressed by young people who, dedicated to studying in order to attain the goal of true knowledge, declare themselves to be followers of Catholic doctrine and recognize the necessity of uniting in a holy union these two daughters of the same father, reason and faith, by which we all live, these two suns which shine in the sky of our souls, these two forces which constitute the beginning and the end of our grandeur, these two wings which rise up to the knowledge of all truth, In a single word, reason, which is the eye of man who sees, aided by the eye of God, which is faith. It is therefore a sweet consolation for me to see you, beloved young people, who represent the age of noble sentiments, generous actions, and splendid victories, and as a representative of Jesus Christ, who found his delight in the young, as he once looked at a young man. So I, in looking at you, feel the need to tell you that I love you, that I appreciate your virtue, and that you must have me not only as a father, but as a brother and a dear friend. For this reason, I make my own the words of the youngest of the apostles, the beloved of the divine Redeemer, who wrote to young people, quote, I write unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. See the see first John chapter two, verse fourteen. Be strong to preserve and defend your faith when so many fight against it and lose it. Be strong to keep the word of God in you and to manifest it in your works when so many others have banished it from their souls. Be strong to acquire true knowledge and to overcome the obstacles you will encounter in working for your brothers. Do not worry that serious sacrifices will be required of you or that you will be denied lawful amusements. We only want to make your age of youth truly precious, which is the age of beautiful expectations, to make your career splendid, so that in the autumn of life you may reap copiously those fruits, of which the blossoms of your spring are a token, and I recommend to you only to remain strong in your determination to be loyal sons of the Church of Jesus Christ, at a time when there are so many who, perhaps without knowing it, have shown themselves disloyal. 
For the first and greatest criterion of the faith, the ultimate and unassailable test of orthodoxy is obedience to the teaching authority of the church, which is ever living and infallible, since she was established by Christ to be the columnae et fermentum veritatis, the pillar and support of truth. See 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Jesus Christ, who knew our weakness, who came into the world to preach the gospel to the poor above all, chose for the spread of Christianity a very simple means, adapted to the capacity of all men, and suited to every age, a means which required neither learning, nor research, nor culture, nor rationalization, but only willing ears to hear, and simplicity of heart to obey. This is why St. Paul says, Fidex et auditu, see Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes not by sight, but by hearing, from the living authority of the church, a visible society composed of masters and disciples, of rulers and of govern, of shepherds and sheep and lambs. Jesus Christ himself has laid on his disciples the duty of hearing the instructions of their masters, and on subjects of living in submission to the dictates of rulers, on sheep and lambs of following with the docility in the footsteps of their shepherd, and to shepherds, to rulers, and to teachers, he has said, Going teach ye all nations, the spirit of truth will teach you all truth. Behold, I am with you all the days, even to the consummation of the world. See Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. From these facts, you can see how far astray are those Catholics, who in the name of historical and philosophical criticism, and that tendentious spirit which has invaded every spirit field, put in the foremost rank the religious question itself, insinuating that by study and research we should form a religious conscience in harmony with our times, or as they say, modern. And so, with a system of sophisms and errors, they falsify the concept of obedience inculcated by the church. They arrogate to themselves the right of judging the actions of authority, even to the extent of ridiculing them. They attribute to themselves a mission to impose a reform, a mission which they have received neither from God nor from authority. They limit obedience to purely exterior actions, even if they do not resist authority or rebel against it, opposing the faulty judgment of some individual without any real competence or of their own inner conscience, deceived by vain subtleties, to the judgment and commandment of the one who, by divine mandate, is their lawful judge, master, and shepherd. O my dear young men, listen to the words of him who truly wishes you well. Do not let yourselves be seduced by mere outward show, but be strong to resist illusions and flatteries, and you will be saved. But the official church, they say, wants ignorance, impedes the development of religious studies, and intolerable discipline imposes silence. No, dear students, the church representing Jesus Christ continually preaches those same words he addressed to our elder brothers. My doctrine is not mine, but his that send me. And he added, If any man will do the will of him, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. See John chapter 17, verses 16 to 17. That is why the church has always honored not only the early fathers and great minds of the church, but also the writers of every age who have studied and published works to spread the truth, to defend it against the attacks of unbelievers, and to show into relief the absolute harmony which exists between faith and reason. To find rational grounds for your faith, study the works of those eminent men, whom the church has always honored and continues to honor at the present time. They are the great defenders of religion. Do not let yourself be taken unawares by these new reformers. The world may judge them to be great minds, men of powerful genius, brilliant intellect, and unsullied conscience. Perhaps, but Jesus has judged them all by this verdict. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeks the glory of him that sent him, he is true, and there is no untruth in him. See John chapter 7, verse 18. 
Do not let yourself be deceived by the subtle declarations of those who do not cease to pretend that they wish to be with the church, to love the church, to fight for her so that she will not lose the masses, to work for the church so that she will come to understand the times and so to win back the people and attach themselves to herself. Judge these men according to their works. If they maltreat and despise the ministers of truth and even the Pope, if they try by every means to minimize their authority, to evade their direction and disregard their counsels, if they do not fear to raise the standard of rebellion, what church are these men speaking about? Not certainly of that church established super fundantem apostolorum et profiterum, upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. See Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. So we must ever have before our mind's eye that counsel of St. Paul to the Galatians. If we ourselves or if an angel should teach you any other gospel than which we have taught you, let him be anathema. See Galatians chapter 1 verse 18. You will meet, and unfortunately, very frequently, with such a new breed of apostles, because it is impossible, given the pride of mind and with the corruption of heart, for the world to be without scandals. It is necessary, Christ said, that scandals come, and God permits and tolerates them in order to disturb the fidelity and constancy of the just. However, in the face of these scandals, painful as they are, do not be terrified or discouraged. But pitying these poor blind men, and who in their ignorance or obstinacy, while believing themselves to be wise, they became fools. See Romans chapter 1, verse 22. And praying for them, that the Lord may enlighten them, and cause them to return to the fold that they have wrongfully abandoned. Be strong and faithful to the promises you made. In your society, you will find help to escape the dangers that surround you. And by serving the interests of religion and the church, you will provide for your true good. And in order that my exhortations and my desires may be fulfilled completely, I implore from heaven an abundance of divine favors, of which, as well as my very special affection, the apostolic benediction may be a pledge, which with deep affection I impart to all of you, to your families, to your ecclesiastical assistant, to dear Professor Toniolo, to the most eminent Cardinal Maffi, present here, and to the entire University Federation. So what is St. Pius X saying here? Be loyal to the faith. Be loyal to the deposit of the faith, and to the authority that defends the authentic faith. In his time, the popes and vast majority of the bishops and cardinals defended the Catholic faith, they were not interested in ecumenical dialogue. They had no interest in becoming partners with the Leviathan in the secular world. The modernists he was critiquing were offering a position that was in stark opposition to the faith, and they're the ones who have control of the institutions today. They were then, as they are now, promoting error and heresy, and were looking into the church from functionally outside. That's the difference today. Now today, the role is reversed. The modernists control the hierarchy to such a degree that there are now two factions of modernists. On the one hand, the obvious ones like Pastor Jimmy Martins and the Francis's of the world who promote concepts and ideas so at odds with the faith that they're pretty easy to spot. On the other hand, there are the moderate modernists, ones who it is easy to be fooled by, since their modernism isn't as in-your-face as it is with, say, Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church. What would St. Pius X tell us to do in our time? What would he say in the face of a string of successive modernist popes and a hierarchy that rejects the truth of the faith and practice, even if they're smart enough not to do so with their words. I suspect he wouldn't be as keen on our being loyal to those in error, since as the Catholic axiom goes, error has no rights. It's food for thought. Let me know what you think of this in the comments, please. And please pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.